0: If you have your Bible, can you turn to Luke chapter 8? We're going through the Gospel of Luke. We're focusing in upon Jesus. What a privilege it is for us to be able to take the time this morning to do that. To focus upon Jesus, to listen to his words, to meet with him through the power of his Holy Spirit. What an incredible thing it is that here we are, 2023, 2,000 years after his resurrection. And people know him and love him and are doing life with him. People meeting him for the first time. Maybe that will be you today. The major theme of today's passage is faith. The major theme is faith. And as we go through the Gospels over and over again, we find Jesus wanting to draw out in men and women faith in him. Now, what do we mean by faith? There can be various ways in which we can define what faith is. But I love how the reformer John Calvin put it. He said, faith is not some distant view, but it's a warm embrace of Christ. Not some distant view, not some kind of out-there-in-the-future hope, but it's a here-and-now embrace with Christ. And so as we've been worshipping and as that word came from Rob, our faith is not measured or determined by our circumstances. But our faith is our sense of the presence of Christ in our lives. Do you know the warm embrace of Christ? Are you living your life with Christ? Are you walking with Jesus? That's our gift today that the father in heaven would want you to receive to know his embrace I like to call it the big bear hug of God so let's read from verse 40 of Luke 8 to the end of the chapter Luke chapter 8 verse 40 when Jesus returned the crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Just then, a man named Jairus came. He was a leader of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years, who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone did touch me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. When Jesus heard it, he answered him, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be saved. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her. But he said, stop crying, because she is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, because they knew she was dead. So he took her by the hand and called out, child, Get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he gave orders that she be given something to eat. Her parents were astounded. But he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are amazed by your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We're amazed by the authority of his word. We're amazed by the power of God seen through him. We thank you that in his words there is power for healing. In his words there is the power to resurrect. In his word there is the power to set captives free. In his word we find our healing. In his word we find our healing adoption into the family of God. I thank you that whilst we're a big crowd gathered here today, Lord, you see each individual's heart. And you've walked each day with us to this point. Lord, I pray let it be a day of healing for some here today. I pray, Lord, let it be a day of resurrection for some here today. I pray let it be a day when Everything changed. And I pray for all of us. May we leave here today with a warm embrace of Christ, with true faith, true faith in you. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. What a wonderful passage we get to look at today. And it's important that we, um, as always, zoom out from the immediate text that we're looking at and look at the context so what's been happening because none of these events are just randomly put together there is a whole case that Luke the doctor wants for us to have and to see and so chapter 8 starts with the parable of the sower if you have a bible you might just want to just check that i'm not making this up it starts with the parable of the sower which is really speaking about the word of god And how the word of God is like a seed. And just as a farmer scatters seed, some of the seed falls into different soils. Some amongst rocky soil. It grows quickly but there's no room for the root and so it dries up. Some are sown among thorns and so it grows but it gets choked and there's no space for it to flourish. And then he says there is seed that is sown onto good soil and it produces a great harvest. And his disciples queried. He said, what are you talking about? Help help us understand this parable. He said, well, the word of God is the seed. And as the word of God goes out, uh, it's heard by people. But there are different responses to it. For some, it's like there's an immediate, yes, this seems good. And then suddenly they disappear and they vanish. And it's so sad in church life when you see a quick response, yes! And then a few months later, where are they? And there can be all kinds of reasons. I believe God is the faithful shepherd. He doesn't abandon his sheep. And then there can be those, and, and, and the seed is sown and I'm growing in my faith, but I feel constantly swamped and surrounded. I'm being choked by thorns. And then there are those where the seed comes and, my, and I find my faith grows. So that's the, that's the parable that comes and then we have this sequence of miraculous displays of the power of God through Jesus. And it's dramatic initially and then it becomes very acutely personalized in the lives of three individuals particularly. Jairus, his daughter, And the anonymous woman, and we're going to be majoring on that. But the the events, the dramatic events before, include Jesus calming the waves, which is found in verse 22. He's with the disciples. They're crossing over from one side of the lake to the other, and halfway along their journey, a storm rages. It's a famous gospel scene. It's a deathly storm. And these disciples of his, including many who are fishermen, who go out in the boats all the time, are convinced they're going to die. So they go to Jesus and they say, we are going to die. And Jesus, who is asleep, such a contrasting picture. Jesus, who is asleep, gets up, And with one word calms the raging storm be still. And the disciples don't go, that was amazing. They go, fear. They look at him, terrified. Who is this? And Jesus says to them the question, where is your faith? where is your faith? He doesn't say, oh, guys, thanks for waking me up so I could do that. He says, where's your faith? I was here. (coughs) Didn't you know you'd be okay? And then they cross over, and then they find themselves in the region of the Gerasenes, And this is a Gentile territory. So that's a non-Jewish territory. We know this because there are a number of details, including pig farmers. There are a lot of pigs on the scene. And so in the Old Testament um, laws, we have the rituals of worship. And we have those who are clean and those who are unclean. And this is, again, a major theme we find through the Gospels. Those who are clean, as it were, spiritually, able to worship... Those who are unclean and are unable to be in the context of the worship of God amongst his people and they're separated, the clean and the unclean. So Jesus is entering with his disciples into an unclean territory and immediately as he enters the unclean territory, they are met by a demoniac, a man who is filled with demons. And we're told he's had these demons for a long time. And these demons... Uh, exhibit their power such that he breaks the chains that are, he's tied in because their power is so extreme. And we have this picture, like with the storm, of something chaotic. So with the storm, we have the, the chaos of nature. Uh, and, and here we have the chaos of the powers of darkness. We have this, this kind of dark, evil, chaotic scene as Jesus is greeted by this demon Who are you? What's your name? We are legion, for there are many. They beg with him. Don't send us into the abyss. Don't send us into the place of torment. Send us into the pigs. And Jesus agrees, sends them into the pigs. And then this man who has been troubled by demons for so long, we're told, sat there in his right mind, sat before Jesus as his rabbi, as it were, his teacher. And everyone who got told about this in the village came and they pleaded with Jesus to leave because they also were terrified. They were terrified. See, when you see the almighty power of God without grace and mercy, it's an utterly terrifying experience. We've seen this with Peter when, with the miraculous catch in Luke chapter 5. We see it in the boat with the raging storm. We see it here with the demoniac. When you encounter the almighty power of God without grace without faith, which is a warm embrace of Christ, without the sense of this Jesus who commands the waves, this Jesus who has authority over the waves and authority over the demons, this Jesus is the one who is compassionate and kind and gracious. This is one who you can embrace. And so what do we do? We either fall down at his feet and embrace or we hide and we, we run, which is what happens in these passages. So we then move into this beautiful passage of Scripture that we read out a moment ago. And what I want us to do, to do is just to carefully look at how it's described, because every word here is significant. There is so much here that's relevant to you and to me. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's for your benefit that we have this story here. It's for our benefit. Because our God wants us to have faith. Amen? He wants you to have faith. He wants your life to be deeply rooted in faith. He wants you to be confident. He wants you to be certain. He wants you to have courage. He wants you to leave here today. And even if you walk into a storm... You know the warm embrace of Christ. So verse 40, Jesus returned and the crowd welcomed him. You're back. What are you going to do now? They're expecting him. Then a man named Jairus came. He was a leader of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. Let's just hit pause here. What we're going to find is Jesus draws the despairing. Jesus draws the despairing. Jairus, synagogue leader. This is someone in the community who is well-respected, somebody who is influential, somebody that you could say in a worldly sense is a successful individual. He would have had means, he would have been wealthy, He was known, he had a reputation, he had a good reputation. He has an only daughter, and she's 12 years old. Jairus has lived a good life to this point. He's lived a happy life to this point. He's lived a rich life, really, until this point. But in a moment, tragedy strikes In a moment, crisis comes. The boat was sailing calmly, and then suddenly there's a raging storm. And the question is, where do you turn in the raging storm moment? Where do you go in the crisis? Would Jairus have been running to Jesus and falling at his feet if it weren't for the sudden tragedy that had struck. It's questionable, isn't it? But in this moment, as he looks at his daughter dying, an unbelievable agony. No doctor's going to be able to intervene and save my daughter now. She's beyond what medical science can achieve What do I do? And as a parent, you would do anything in that moment. Anything. And so he's heard about Jesus, clearly. He's heard that he's back. He's heard that this one who is a performer of miracles, this one who's astounding people with his power, he's here, he's nearby. And so he runs to Jesus and he, this well-respected, this honorable man, who's used to people coming to him for help. He runs to Jesus and he falls at his feet, we're told, and pleads with him, begs him, shows real humility, goes to him in his moment of crisis and his moment of need. Jesus draws him as a despairing, desperate man. So Jesus responds. He goes with him. And the crowd are following. You can imagine the excitement that's building. What's going to happen here? We're going to see an incredible healing. So the crowd followed Jesus. And as the crowds are doing that, as they're crushing in on him. Because everyone wants to get close to him. Someone came from behind. Someone came with another agenda someone came who didn't want others to see her someone came desperate this woman comes to him desperate you see her suffering isn't a a crisis moment that has suddenly sprung on her and we have so much correlation between these two stories for 12 years she's been suffering You see, Jairus has had 12 years of happy life. She's had 12 years of misery. Jairus has had 12 years of respect within the community, 12 years of a daughter, 12 years of presumably a happy family home life. She's had 12 years on her own. No one can touch her, she's unclean. We don't know what's caused this hemorrhaging and this bleeding. But what a horrendous place for her to be, poor, poor person. To be in that, your, the shame of it. She's living with shame. She's living in pain. She's li- living in weakness. She's living in um, hopelessness. She's living in poverty now. Because we're told that she spent everything that she had on doctors. She tried everything. She got rid of everything. She sold everything that she could release. As much money as she possibly could. Because she was desperate to be healed of this condition. She had no life. And she comes from behind. Because she's got used to avoiding the people. So she comes discreetly. She says to herself, I just need to touch him. I just need to touch We find that word repeated four times. Touch, touch, touch. She says, I just need to touch his garment. And so she does. She comes to him, touches his garment, and then we're told in verse 44, instantly her bleeding stopped. Instantly. Imagine Her relief. She comes with faith in him to heal. She touches his garment and immediately she knows, I'm healed. Relief. It's over. But then what Jesus does is he shouts out a loud voice, I'm imagining this Who touched me? The whole crowd stops. Peter's like, Master, what are you talking about? Look at the crowd. Everyone's pushing in on you. Who touched you? He's like, no, no, someone touched me. Someone's just touched me. And she, having tried to be subtle and discreet, suddenly is feeling, "Uh uh-oh, what do I do now? Her her story's been shame and embarrassment. And now in this moment of relief, Jesus calls her out. And she steps forward. She came trembling. She came afraid. She'd known his healing power. But there was still a greater work of God's grace about to happen in her life. See what Jesus is doing here. He is requiring her now to make a public confession of what's just happened. And so she does it. She said, do you know, Jesus, I came, I touched your robe, I've, I've had bleeding, and, you, and I'm healed. I'm healed. You've done it. And then, she, so she came, her hope was for a healing that was physical, But what does Jesus say to her next? He says, daughter. You feel the power of that word for her? Feel the power of that word for her having been on her own? Having lived, can you imagine, 12 years of isolation and shame? And then suddenly you're healed. And then you're told, you're in my family now. You're a daughter. What a powerful moment. Not only has he healed her physically, but he's restored her socially as she makes this confession in front of everybody, and he restores her spiritually. She is brought into the family of God. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I want to ask you, if you have known the healing touch of Jesus, if you would say, I know that, He is alive, I love God, I worship God, I'm here today because I have real faith. I wanna ask you, have you made a public confession of it? Have you been baptized? Such a beautiful moment at a baptism when someone stands and says, I've met God, he's touched my heart, He's healed me spiritually. He has worked in my life and I'm getting baptized today because I want you to know and I want the whole world to know I love Jesus and I'm going to spend the rest of my life following him. We've got baptisms coming up in a couple of weeks. We've just had baptisms. I know there are people here who haven't been baptized. And so my appeal to you is don't remain anonymous in a sense. Don't hide. Jesus says, Who's touched me? Because he wants to give you that opportunity to declare what God has done to heaven and earth. And he wants to publicly affirm you as a child of God. And that's what happens in baptism. Jesus, when he was baptized, the heavens opened, the spirit came upon him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son. That's such a gift. In baptism, to know the voice of God speaking over you, this is my daughter, this is my son. So I want to... I ask you, if you've not been baptized, come and speak to me. Come and speak to one of us. We'd love to talk to you about that next step. Now, the meanwhile, let's think about Jairus. While he, uh, where are we? Verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. How does, oh my word. Jairus, what a devastating moment. Devastating. He's not there in that final moment. He'd come to Jesus because he hoped maybe Jesus could heal her. And not only has Jesus not healed her, but he wasn't there in her final moments. We have to try and, in understanding the power of this story, live in it for a moment. Jesus hears these words and he turns to Jairus and he looks, as it were, he looks him in the eye. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Only believe, and she will be saved. Interesting choice of word. It's not just she'll be healed, she'll be saved. There's, some, there's something of what Jesus is alluding to here, which is greater than the request that Jairus came with. And we know what happens. And so Jesus speaks these words, and Jairus, a flicker of hope. You see, he came asking Jesus for a miracle, a healing, a resurrection. How many people were coming to Jesus asking for a resurrection? Not many. Can he even do that? Does he even have the power to do that? And so he came to the house. He let no one enter except Peter, James, and John and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning. But he said, stop crying because she is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead. As Christians, we believe that when we die, we sleep until the point of resurrection. Now, we enter into paradise, we enter into heaven, but Paul refers to the dead as those who are asleep in Christ. And and we believe wholeheartedly in a future resurrection for all who have died in Christ. It is a core foundation of our faith that he's defeated death, that he's overcome death. And it gives us such hope and such confidence in this life as we lose those that we love. Knowing that Jesus Christ has overcome everything that keeps people dead. He has proven the power of his ability to resurrect the dead. Indeed, he, he himself, having died, is alive now. But there will be those that will mock and laugh at your faith. <laughs> Heaven. Resurrection. Silly. They're laughing at Jesus here. Verse 54. So he took her by the hand and called out, child, get up. I want to read how Mark records this moment in mark 541 i've got the reference wrong no yeah i've got it i was looking at 641 mark 41 And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum. The Aramaic, these are literally the words you'd have heard Jesus say. Talitha kum. Which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. The power of this is slightly lost on us because of the language challenge. Talitha kum would be heard as darling it's time to wake up Darling it's time to wake up isn't that such a beautiful thing? Darling Darling It's time to wake up like you'd wake a child. And she wakes and he says, Get us some food. Why does he say that? She's back in the family now. Let's eat. She needs to eat. She's hungry. Talitha kum. I hear in this moment the word of God to resurrect the dead. I hear in this moment the words that will be spoken over everyone who dies in Christ. darling, It's time to wake up. And the word of God says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And death will be no more. For he has swallowed death up. He swallowed it up. Even this week, a good friend of mine got in touch to tell me that her mum, who I knew from my childhood, had died at 93. And she'd been with her as she died. Just as I was looking at this verse. Talitha kum. Darling, it's time to wake up. And that is our great hope as Christians. How can you live this life with so much pain and so much hurt and so much darkness and so much death without hope in one who has resurrection power? Do you know the power of resurrection living within you? Because he who lives within us is the same one who raised Christ from the grave. Who is our glorious resurrected king. Stunning, stunning Jesus. Faith is not some distant view. But it is a warm embrace of Jesus Christ. Why don't we stand? Can the band come? We're going to have communion all together now. Jesus draws the despairing. The band are going to have communion with us, so they're not going to play. Hopefully you've got some bread and wine Now, I want us to take this together in a moment. I'm going to invite you to come. The Lord knows where you are, why you're here. Now, you might be someone you say, do you know what, I've not got any tragedy. I've not had any tragedy. I have faith in Jesus Christ nevertheless. Hallelujah. You see, it's not about having the tragedy. It's about having faith. It's walking with Jesus. This is what it's about. He said to his disciples who were with him, how many of those came to him in crisis? Not many. And he said to them, where is your faith? So do you have faith in Jesus Christ today? If you do, then you must take the bread and the wine as a clear presentation of how it is you've come to have faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus and for his healing power, his ability to heal the sick and resurrect the dead. Help us put our faith and our confidence in him today. And thank you for his precious, precious sacrifice. Amen.